How are we doing? We are back for another episode of Unboxing the Hobby, and this time, another hobby friend. We're with Alex slash Army ATC22. Everyone has probably seen him online somewhere, especially big into YouTube, right? You were like the OG YouTube guy. One one of them. There's plenty of us out there, but you know we get lost in the sauce with all the new new individuals like yourselves out here just jumping on the scene. <laughs> I always think about that. So like when Mac, I met Mac through here, and then like I got introduced through your stuff through Mac, and I was then I got I went down the rabbit hole of your YouTube stuff, and I was like, I wonder if he likes us or if he's like these <laughs> new guys that decided they just want to jump onto Instagram and do these short form videos <laughs> he he Those knows pesky kids we we've talked we've talked plenty of times you know of course being right there here next to each other where you know it, it's never been a i i don't care about the views like you can look at my videos i have one video the big one that has you know thousands tens of thousands of views the other ones don't even break a, a thousand don't even break 500 it's just me showing my journey and everything else like that other than that the friends the hobby side of collecting and everything is what I love the most about it. You know, the, the whole stories and everything else and everything else that comes with it. It's just, it's just a plus. That's awesome. That's actually funny. You say that. Cause I think today Mac posted something about hitting um, 7,000 followers and whatnot. But one of the comments was really, was really cool. They're just like, I've never looked at your follower count, but I just assumed that it was like way more than 7,000 just by the way that, he acts and holds himself, which is very accurate. Like he's, you would assume that by every stuff that Mac posts, like he has like hundreds of thousands of followers just by the information he gives and how easy it comes out. But I like that. I like that, Alex. I like the whole idea of not caring about that because it's just going to come with time, you know, if at all. In worst case scenario, this is going to be something cool to look back at and show our kids and or grandkids or whatever that we did. Yeah, it's one it's one of those, you know, and, and other individuals have talked about it. Mac has even talked about it when we were at the national. Like I was introducing him to so many people because I've known so many people for so long. You would think that I'd have tens of thousands of followers already, but I've just never really focused on it. And now I'm starting to actually get a little bit more focused on it and everything and pumping more out. But I have all the contacts. It's just I've never really jumped in that realm. Alex is like that that next door neighbor you have that you had no idea he was famous. That's kind of <laughs> Alex. <laughs> you just like see him and you're like, hey, he's like, hey, there's my friend Alex. Then you're like, oh, wait a second. Like this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he's been around. He's been around. But let's I so let's rewind a little bit. So, you know, like I said, you, you and I see each other a lot because we're both in Richmond. And your story though, I think is pretty incredible like a lot of people know you from before i knew you before i was deep into the hobby world and we got to talk about that video we just mm -hmm. have to talk about it and talking about like, getting back into the hobby getting to that whole one of one pull we i'm trying to think where we start here let's let's start with the video i think the video is like one of the most incredible stories yeah so back in 2008 you know, when I got back into the hobby, um, I, I I found out, you know, group breaking, you know, that everyone does online now. That's there's so many people doing it now. Everyone was just doing it on YouTube um, with, you know, the concept of group breaking, which most people know is just getting a fraction of a box for the cheapest amount, just so you can be a part of opening the box. Um, I, just 
knowing the reactions and feeling the adrenaline of opening stuff, I, I wanted to be a part of that. But of course, I wanted to be a part of the box too. So I started hosting group breaks on YouTube. And uh, one of the, the very first actual basketball group break that I did, I had one of the mixtures. It was the box of like 08, uh, 0708 SP Threads, um, maybe SP Authentic, Upper Deck something. But I also had a box of Exquisite. You know, back in the day, that box of Exquisite was $450, $500 box. Compared to now, you got to think, this is Durant's rookie year box of Exquisite. And that's a twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar box. Um, and in the box just so happened to be, you know, everyone's searching for logo man, a dual logo man of John Stockton and Steve Nash. What makes this story even crazier is a lot of my friends on there were just like, hey, for this group, right? Because I've done football and ba baseball already multiple times. This is my first basketball. They're like, why don't you wear your army gear? So if a lot of people don't know, I retired from the army after 22 years. Really crazy because my lucky number is 22, right? Um, last year. And uh, so stationed in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, I had all my military gear on, my uniform, my um, IOTV, everything else, and opened the box in the uniform. And it just so happened that video went viral because of, uh, you know, being a dual logo man, you know, how, you know, everyone was going crazy these past few years looking for the LeBron triple logo man and everything else from flawless, you know, back then, those were the things we were looking for. You know, I mean, that was 15 years ago. That's good. It's just crazy to think like that time period is like 15 years ago. And then it's a lot of the stuff is just the same stuff is just happening today. And it's just like on a more on a scale that people are kind of able to consume on a faster and pace than before. Like, Cause I'm assuming what you would, you would, that would be on YouTube and then you would post it to YouTube and then people would have to rewatch it. Right. You, you don't understand like it, the evolution of getting into a group break is just phenomenal. Cause now you click of a button you're in period, right? Going straight from your bank account in there, wherever or PayPal or whatever straight you're in, in a group break. <laughs> it was a, it was multi-video process. I would post a video saying, I'm doing a group break of this, showing the receipt going from coming from blowout cards or DA card world or whatever, you know, and throwing in $3 shipping, like 10 cents for, for supplies. It was a, in the group that we had on YouTube was at cost. That's another thing. We didn't do it as a business. We weren't trying to make money. We just wanted to have the fun of opening boxes for as cheap as possible. And you're still doing that in the group break aspect of you getting in. However, the people doing it most most of the time these days have as a business, right? So first video came up. It's the I'm doing this. People would sign up in the comments. Give me one spot. Give me two spots. Give me one spot. All right. The next video coming out would be after. So rewind a little bit. I would send everyone via messaging because YouTube used to have actual direct messaging. They don't anymore. It's really weird. Um, my PayPal information, they shoot the information, they, they pay once it's fully paid, the random.org is coming up. Now let it, let, think about it, random.org of the teams, not live. Could that happen right now? Oh, no. I wouldn't, I break, I, I, I break hobby boxes so much. Sometimes like team breaks, there's no way I would let anybody do that at this point. No. <laughs> it was a, a tight knit community that everyone trusted in everybody that would, you know, you'd wait for the video for the, the, the random door come up for your teams. Next video is uh, probably a mail day and an update saying 
hey, the boxes are inbound and everything else because we we a lot of the hobbyists back then we didn't have the thousands of dollars to really go out and buy it. We'd have to wait till everyone paid. Then we buy it. Then three days, four days later, depending where you are compared to, you know, where the distributors are, you get the boxes. Yeah. So once they, you do an update, hey, it's going to be here Tuesday. Look for the video Tuesday night or, or Wednesday morning or whatever it was. So, the, again, the boxes would be open off camera, on camera, but, you know, not live and then uploaded. So you were waiting for the video to upload later and then you'd watch it, watch it uh, on your on your leisure. I still do that to this day. I tell everybody else this and stuff like I get into group breaks on whatnot, YouTube with Blez and other places, and I'll leave and I'll come back later and watch them, you know, at my, my own pace. Cause I don't want to sit there waiting for them to fill forever in a day, opening all the packs. I can, you know, fast forward, just like DVR and TV shows, you know, just skipping all the commercials and everything, skipping all the stuff you don't like to see. I still do that today. So it, the, the process is just incredible. To what a different world. It's it's just the amount of trust that would go into that. I just I'm amazed that actually. Did you know most of these people pretty well? Were you friends with them? Yeah, I'm, and I'm still okay. friends with a bit of them today. Um, we there's because of the evolution of the group breaking, you know, going to breakers.tv to blog TV to you know now whatnot and everything else and Instagram and YouTube's still live and kicking with people breaking. I mean, Mac, you met the first person ever to really open boxes for people, Chris. Yeah, stock. Yeah. So the to add to what I was mentioning earlier, he just casually was like, see that guy over there? He invented breaking. Let's go say hi to him. <laughs> Chris Justice from uh, Cards Infinity. You know, he out of North Carolina. He's the one that first person that ever online opening boxes for anyone and coming up with. The, he's one of the few individuals that came up with the process. He's the first one to ever really do it on camera for people around the world, technically. So, yeah, it's, it's so crazy to think of like that, how things originate and what they've become. I mean, now it's just this huge business and huge leg of the hobby at this point in regards to breaking, whether it's personal or team breaks or whatnot. So it's well, it's crazy. The trust issue, you know, did go. It finally came about. You know, I don't know. If, you know a lot of people don't know the reason why there is a verified random.org. You know, there's there's two. There's the one that's not where you don't pay. And then there's the one you have the, the yearly subscription you have to pay money for. It's because someone I then I even knew that there's someone eventually started mirroring it and rigging the actual random.org. Like oh. you, you can put them coders are out there, right? It's easy. You know, people can hack and everything. They were able to actually make a mirror image of random.org, do it the way saying number four is going to be the top seed and, and spot and start rigging the, the, you know, the raffles, razzes or whatever on Facebook and stuff like that. So the creators of uh, random.org actually came up with the verified just because of that aspect. That's not well just told me the Easter bunny didn't exist on that. Like that was uh, a <laughs> I also like big drop. I also like that you picked the Easter bunny out of all the imaginary characters that you could have chosen. <laughs> it, it it came first. I feel like it just it just, you know, I don't know. Well, not, okay, so obviously with that, with that came from a love of cards, but where did your love of sports cards start? Was it like a lot of us when we were younger, was it as you were older and you found it again? What, what happened? It was, it was, uh, you know, I, I grew up with my, with my dad and my brother, you know, opening packs. Uh, one of the earliest things I can remember was going to 
um, our local fall festival that we have, which just so happens to be one of the top ones in the country, according to like travel channel, which is crazy. But every Friday they would have Friday or Saturday, they'd have a small card show. We would go into that before the parade and all the other things that were happening that weekend. Um, one of the other things that my me and my dad would used to do is get the post cereal, UPCs, turn them in, and you get the the packs from post or you know cereal box type of card sets and everything that you know it was crazy. I I forgot the last time I was up there to take some pictures and videos. When I'm home for for um, Thanksgiving, I'm gonna get some of that stuff out of the attic, yeah. you know, and shut that stuff off. But those are the things that we that that a passion I had when I was a kid. Now. I think like majority of people that did it when they were a kid happened. Puberty, girls, everything else. I don't think it was, you know, I don't think it was a thing that uh, I wanted people to. And it just, I don't remember. It was like I got men in black that whole time from I was like 12 to when I when I started again. I, I was I thinking know. about this. What, what was the, like, there was a moment that was your last time you looked at your cards as a kid. I'd love to know like what happened that week. I, 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 it's weird. I don't know. I, I remember my dad was searching for the no name Frank Thomas. Next thing you know, I'm back in 2008 watching someone opening a box of Topps Chrome 2008 and pulling an autograph. And I'm like, I don't remember autographs being in packs. Like, what's what's this? Like, the whole part was some somehow I met Will Smith and and you know he 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 got me with that. What's it called? I can't even remember the name of it. I don't remember. But I, it's funny you. I'd never really thought of it about that like that. But now that you mention it, I like you said, Mac, I can't remember. I know that I had a ton of baseball cards and then I remember nothing up until the point when I refound the hobby and I was like, oh, look at these again. I remember when I used to do these and that was it. There's no in between. <laughs> nothing. Um, and it, it's it's wild to to see thinking of that aspect, seeing kids and and younger individuals in high school and stuff that are they're in the hobby right now yeah. i'd be like why wasn't i part of this because you know they're out there playing you know i've seen some so many people come up to my tables you know that are just came from baseball games football games practice or whatever still sweaty dirty and stuff i was just like and in my mind i'm like why didn't i continue that too while i was doing that stuff so seeing the younger generation continuing through and it I think the money aspect might be a big feature of that. It wasn't as prevalent back then, but seeing how much stuff goes for, and I've, I've, I've always had the, the mindset of the, the media bias of only pumping thousand dollar cards, thousand dollar cards, not the dollar cards, the stuff that, you know, truthfully 80 to 90% of the hobby is what we're looking for is that and what we can afford, honestly, compared to the, you know, the, fraction of percentage that can afford those thousand dollar cards yeah I, i'm super intrigued by this so you're you're right i feel like there is a difference now do you feel like why do you feel like kids these days are maybe continuing to collect more than kind of when we were kids where there was kind of that you know gray out where we don't remember why we stopped like is it are we just seeing athletes now on social media collecting and so it's more relevant and staying in front of people what, what do you think that changes and what's the difference so I want to I want to flip it back on you guys. Can you really, out of all the kids that you've ran into, talked to, and stuff, how many of them actually have told you this is my collection, rather than just think about it, right? They have their case with them. How many are bringing their collection with them, or they're bringing stuff trying to sell, or or they're buying? 
right? I, I, I thought about this actually the last few days prior to coming on here, you know, possibly it coming up. I can't think of, you know, any kids telling me, no, I collect this person. I actually are collecting these people. It's more of they're trying to do the trade up challenge. They're trying to sell the stuff to me. You know, I've talked to plenty of kids, you know, they're with their parents and stuff. None of them are truthfully saying I'm collecting this player. I'm doing this. I mean, either of you two, have you talked to any individuals that are actually saying I'm collecting these type of people mm. as kids? No, I mean, it's interesting you say that because even the kids that I see like at the couple of card shows I've been to recently or the, the ones that come into my LCS when I'm there, they're they're always searching for like the next hot thing or like you said, the card they can trade up for or something along those lines. And I think that probably is from what these kids are all, you know, taking in from social media because that's that's how kids are being portrayed and shown on social media. So I feel like that's kind of the box that they feel like well, this is what I should be doing. I should be taking this card and trying to trade it up for the next card and then the, get to that biggest card and then I can sell it and then I can get whatever other cards I want. It's, I, it's well, I hate to say this, but I feel like I almost have a stigma against kids in the hobby right now. It's I, and I didn't really realize it until we started having this conversation, but <laughs> most of my interactions with kids in the hobby has actually been pretty negative where they've either been trying to fleece me and that just says something about me, I guess, what I look like. But um, <laughs> either them trying to fleece me or like being, I think about trade nights I've been to where like kids have won raffles and they start complaining uh, because <laughs> it wasn't the type of box. they. It was just like stuff where like kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, mostly them trying to fleece me, though. I will stick to that one. But um, yeah, I, I just feel like you're right, Alex. I think maybe are we seeing it that kids in the hobby are they not actually collectors is this more of a vehicle for making money i don't know yeah i, I hate saying that too you know I, I i love giving back to the children and everything else and you know because if they leave the hobby i say this knowing that i left the hobby and came back after again though if they leave the hobby the hobby goes away you know they're the ones that you know that are out there that need to continue on have the in the mindset you're they're going with their their parents you know that, that's what i love seeing you know when 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 someone comes up to my table at shows and you know they they're trying to do deals and they look up at their dad i remember doing that stuff with my dad right and everything and 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 it's really funny is that's what their interactions i tell tell you mac all the time like i i want to have a film crew to just pump out more content because i want those interactions the deals i give a rat's butt about right i don't care about the money i want the interactions of educating the you know giving the experience you know helping those kids and even the older individuals adults not all just kids you know some some stuff that i've seen over the years that the trends i've seen and you know giving that good advice i want that stuff to be out that's what i want to get my content into and everything more than hey look at this i traded these four cards for this or i bought this you know this is real shiny look at all the sparkles right because that just brings everybody in but again what do people want to see do they want to learn more about the hobby or do they want to see the the dual triple dual logo man, you know, coming out. Yeah. I, th I honestly think that there's a, there's room for, for, for everything. Cause I think that that's seen just in social media alone is like, if you look at, I have two, two accounts, I have my stock and trade account and I have my personal account and my personal account is all very much like motivational stuff. Like I, stuff that I like to, to hear about like kids and their parents. Cause I have children now, like all this fun stuff. And then you go to my stock and trade account and it's, card hits it's you know kids doing trade-up challenges it's all this different stuff so 
I want to consume it all. It just sadly Instagram funnels my algorithm into one specific thing as opposed to giving me it all at one time. But you you bring up an interesting point. Do you think it's is the content too transactional? As is it like breeding more transactional styles of content where it's like all about the money and the e-commerce side of it? I mean, look, look, look at look at the big content creators, right? Santiago, Mojo, um, Card Collector 2. You know, those are the guys that Roth, you know, those are the guys that put out the, on YouTube, you know, both all aspects, all, all platforms, truthfully. Look at their content, how much of the percentage is actually transactional. Now, Ryan Car Collector 2 does a lot more of other things. You know, Mojo is showing more of other things. But those other big, play, like Sports Card Investor, and I mean, even his son's kids page, right? How much of that is him flipping cards? Yeah, It's almost... Mm -hmm. All of it. In in and some I, people, I think for and if that's what people want, that that's great. I think there's a you know we talk about this all the time. There's there's no one right way to to enjoy the hobby. I think there's you know go that, find your your slice of the pot. But um, just interesting question. Yeah, but I think this is where a good like in hearing like what you want to do with your content, Alex is like if the, I I'm I would look forward to that because I think it's one of those things where you can't. You don't know what people will want to consume until it's put out there. And to be honest, like a lot of that content isn't out there. A lot of that feel good, like, like having, like you said, a film crew showing your interactions with these kids. Like as soon as that stuff is out there more readily, like I think people would be like, oh, I, this is great. This is cool. Like this isn't some like propped up video of uh, watch this kid do a deal and flip a coin. Like, listen, like the, that, that happens, but it doesn't always have happened like that. And there was probably a reason that it happened like that. It was a little bit set up in a way, but yeah, I think the, that I like, I like the idea of that content. And I think that it would be consumed a lot more if it was more readily available. Yep. I, I think we are starting to see though, a bit of a kind of a deviation from it. Cause I feel like when I first got back in the hobby a few years ago, I feel like the content was very kind of, I want to say kind of one dimension, maybe two dimensions. It was either people just showing their cards or people showing a picture of their cards and the other person's cards they just did the trade with, with cash in the middle. Um, and it was like one or the other. And that was like what it was. And I feel like now we are starting to see different styles of content, right? I mean, I don't think I'm crazy there. No, you're not. And, and it ha I mean, everything evolves, right? You know, I, I look back when, you know, I started, everyone can look at my YouTube videos. I'm majority of them are mail days or I'm opening boxes. Right. And, you know, there's the occasional I do have the, the the smack dab in the middle of it. I went to New York. I went to New York with a lot of card people. We went we went on a big trip up there. There's multiple individuals that are still in the actual hobby that we all got together toward New York City. We opened boxes in a Burger King in the middle of New York City. I mean, I opened up. A, this is nuts. I opened up a 0809 box. And whose rookie year is that? Derek Rose opened up a box of SP Authentic and my patch auto was Derek Rose, like Maybe. in the middle of Burger King. Like it, it's nuts. <laughs> I opened up a case of National Treasures in there, you know, because we were all from around the country, came there, had some fun. We went to we went to Atlantic City too, had some a lot more fun down there. But uh, you know, we've interacted with each other so much we, we we decided like hey let's make a trip out of it see some of the city and everything and we did some of these so the, the community's there for more of that aspect but majority of the people on youtube that i dealt with which are still on youtube doing it to this day showing mail days showing their collection 
not really getting the content of everything else out there. They just want a platform to show off what they have because maybe down the road that, you know, when they're, you know, three, four times as old as they are now, they want to show their grandkids, their, you know, their great grandkids. Hey, this is what I used to have. This is this collection I'm giving to you. This is the process of me getting it to give to you. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I like the look back idea. Um, I, whatever anybody's thoughts are on them. Gary V made a good point one time. He talked about social media and people talking negatively about it and the negative aspects, but he looked at it as like, I can't wait to show my kids this crazy curated version of my life. And as they become involved in my life, how I, you know, made these videos of them. And as they get older and it's like, you look back on photo albums, why wouldn't you want to look back on this and smile with your kids and stuff like that. But I, I like that. But you mentioned something evolved. And I, I always like to people that have been here way longer than I have. You can stick on, you can always pinpoint the negative stuff that's happened during the evolution. But in your eyes, what are some really cool like things that you've seen happen since like you're breaking some a box, you know, uh, on YouTube to like now? What are the cool, what's the cool evolution of the hobby that's happened that maybe a couple things that you can think of off the top? Um the friendships stay stay around right you know the the individuals that i've known for so long that have gotten out gotten back in you know in the you know almost two decades now of doing it um they're still there but uh i i think one of the best things i like is um the the concept of the actual card and the companies trying to constantly evolve you know that into something better um is is always been a plus um everyone makes mistakes right and everything but some of these companies have actually both negatively not learned but they've also found stuff that you know that that is that has actually worked um one of the things is there's so much negative aspect for panini and how much they pump out and stuff like that but they've really gotten if you think about it Mac, you're you're you've gotten me more hooked on it, right? Is the the '90s refractors and inserts? Yes, yes. Right, <laughs> like our era of that is the downtowns, the the color color blast, the you know the all these case hit inserts. You would think technically 20, 30 years from now, which <laughs> if Panini's going the way it is and everything, they're not going to be around, but but they're going to be looked at in that same aspect. So I think the the constant turnover of having those type of things has always been a, a positive and, and stuff. And I, I, I like seeing that happen when flawless first came out for Panini. Um, everyone hated it. They did. And because they, this is an expensive box Got it. and so much white space for it. But now you look back at those original flawless cards. They're beautiful. The white extra white space on there, just pretty much just showing the player and stuff. It's it it is a beautiful card to look at, and that's why they're so expensive. But uh, I think the the constant trying to to continue to grow a brand and everything is has been a, been a good thing that I've liked. Nice. Yeah. I always equate it to like the armchair quarterback on like a Monday. You know, it's like we all think we can play football and have made the right decisions on the field but when it happens when it's happening in real time let's see if you can get anywhere close to what they did or didn't do yeah. and i think it's the same thing for these large companies it's like they're running a thousand miles a minute trying to get these 
these products out and stuff happens oh, sometimes. Well, I, yes. And, and, you know, the quality control issues and everything else, there's some things that, okay, maybe you should have looked at your printing press before they pushed out because you spelled a word wrong and now they're across 10, 20, 30,000 cards, right? That, but, uh, other other aspects like you you can't help it if a printer has you know it just need re-oiled or whatever so it makes streaks and stuff and that's why companies have the the qc that they're supposed to have to help fix that now because they have so many problems it might take a hot minute for it to come back or even get you know fixed but uh the Policies and procedures are there for a reason. They, like, everyone, no one's perfect. I, I will never say that I'm perfect. I, no one should ever say. I wish I could, but <laughs> there's so many things that I would, I could, I can do better. But I just have to adapt and overcome. And I think that's what some of these companies are doing. I'm curious to kind of ask the, I guess, the opposite of that question. So, what what would you say are some of the negative traits, maybe in terms of evolution of the hobby, things that you maybe feel like are not taking us the right, right, right direction. I, I think we've discussed, we, one of the biggest ones that we discussed already, it's the media hyping up all these, you know, thousand dollar cards, 10,000, $20,000 cards. And who are the ones that are really watching the media? It's not the, the ones in my 40 year old, you know, age range. It's the ones that are ages six to probably 13 are probably the most, smack dab on youtube instagram watching everything and they see this 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 right coming out hey look at this two thousand dollar card this wimby auto look at this everything they go to walmart and they get a blaster like why can't i pull this well you know? one thousand dollar plus card yeah i'm still actually trying to pull a card that big so let me know if anyone has any pointers <laughs> um, you're not gonna pull them from blasters i'm gonna tell you right now i and i, and I this is the stuff that i like you know, talking to the generations that don't really understand. <laughs> so group breaking, understand you want to try to get as cheap as possible. You go on whatnot and you see so many sellers selling blasters, doing blaster breaks, case breaks and everything. Hey, downtown still live. Kaboom still live. Think about this. A hobby case of optic football has one downtown per case, right? And that's three like third like thirty six hundred dollars i think for the case might be more than actually it's more than that because it's like eight hundred dollars a box times that by so it's like nine thousand dollars for a case yeah. of optic football right do you think there's going to be one downtown per optic blasters case which costs about mm, five hundred dollars no it's one per like 20 cases <laughs> So that concept of pushing, 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 I, I don't, that's the part I, I don't like. I don't like the misconception aspect of the hobby. That's one of the big, my biggest takeaways. Yeah, I agree with that. I think in a lot of that is just a lot of it is sadly the rollover from like the COVID boom too, where, you know, you could have opened up a couple retail boxes and maybe pulled out a card that was three, three figures because just everyone was paying crazy amounts of money for it. But now it's like, yeah, you're not going to sell a rookie, you know, silver card prism for 500 bucks. You know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's back to what they probably should have been and never have gone close to. The same, same thing is, is that, look, I pulled this, this, you know, Luca auto from the, the prism blaster. Right. But they're not showing you the 30 other blasters they've opened that are right next to with a pound pile full, you know, trash. 
Like you paid the same price you could have paid to buy that. Then you just, you just open the actual boxes. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy situation. I think I read somewhere similar and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it is like, you know, with that type of mentality, it reminds me and it said, they even said the same thing. It reminded them of like a very strong, like gambler, addicted gamblers mentality of I'll never talk about my losses. I'm only going to tell you about my winnings. Cause if I tell you about my losses, you're going to know I'm a gambling and addicted to gambling. So is that and like it, your thought process on it too? It is. And of, of course I do. I'm, I'm a gambler. Anyone that opens any box is pretty much a gambler period. It's legalized gambling. That's pretty much what it is because they're not, they're guaranteeing you sometimes not even fully guaranteeing you what's supposed to be in there. Right. It's it, uh, on average, but, uh, it, it is. It's always been that aspect of, hey, I'm spending this to try to hit the biggest thing possible out of there. I do it all the time. And if I get at least 50 and it's terrible to think the concept, if I get 50 percent of what the box back, that's a plus because there's a lot of boxes that can be a lot less. And this is this is it just turns into a lot of things that a lot of people that I can I can bring back some other things from back in the day. Right. Is so. I don't know if, if you guys know that PayPal shut down a lot of individuals' accounts due to group breaking. There was a lot of individuals that uh, that were roaming around taking individuals' PayPal um, addresses and stuff due to their hosting group breaks or doing mystery packs or doing, you know, stuff like that. They're reporting to PayPal saying these people are doing this because it's illegal because what people were doing was the Back in the day, it was gift. It wasn't friends and family gift option of sending this. So you're keep staying away from fees. People still do it today. And so PayPal is just like, why do you have 400 gift free uh, things from 400 different people? Now, it's understandable if it's back and forth between the same individual. You can understand it's probably family or something like that. They crack down and they shut down people's accounts. Bam, bam, bam. You know, and and because it was considered gambling, you know, they felt it felt it was under. They they started. They had had teams that looked around, followed followed the the cook the crumbs and saw that they went to these people that were doing group breaks and can't really give. So so that's why a lot of places these days still has to be goods you still have to send out a card or whatever even if you don't hit anything because that's getting around the hey it's still a gambling aspect but in the end it, it is it's it's it, it can go down a dirty you know a, a, a dark path especially with the ease of access of being able to get into stuff these days it's just a click of the button and taken directly out of your account like it it's 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 one of those, it's hard for, for the individuals, like <laughs> imagine those people that are on eBay, right? They're saying, Oh, my kid, you know, stole my phone and you know, he did it. I, I need you to cancel it. You think they can do that for on fanatics live or, you know, whatnot? No, he can't do that. It's too fast. Yeah. And my kid bought two, two flawless box, two flawless cases. Uh, you opened it, but I need to return this because it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, well, you touched something really interesting, though, is that I, I do feel like there's kind of an education gap in the hobby. And it's really easy now to kind of dip your toe in with like retail boxes. And that's great. But, you know, you think, think about some of the things you just mentioned. I mean, the average Joe is going to have no idea about, hey, this day and age is really not much in these retail boxes. Your odds are different. Hey, it's kind of a slippery slope into gambling now. Like, be careful. Like, there's just I feel like 
curious, like where, how do we start educating the everyday consumer? Is I well, guess my big question. And it's hard because like, like I said, we're going to show you the good stuff. You're going to show the blaster that has three Genesis is in one one pack. They're not going to show the other twenty that don't have anything, right? It, it, seeing that aspect, any person coming directly in it, any kid. Oh, I'm gonna need. I need to rush out to Walmart right now and look for the boxes because I might have the possibility to have that too. They're not showing the whole picture, and that's that's the part that you know somewhere somewhere out there, it, it, you can't. Everyone everyone can't be educated, and truthfully. You can educate all you want. It's their money. They're going to do whatever they want with it. Everyone's going to do that, right? Yeah. Like I, I know for a fact. You know, I, I opened that prism box at the at the show. My odds of hitting the Wemby were slim to none. Now I hit one, right? That actually made me some money. Haven't made me money yet. Haven't sold it, but still, um, you know, it's that's the gamble aspect. I'm going for the hunt. I like doing it. I have adult money now, so I can actually do it. Yeah, that's always the hard part. So, okay, so that all being said with like, uh, you know, talking to kids and like wanting to, uh, you know, give them this information, teach them, what do you, what do you tell a, a kid that comes up to your table with their parent and their parents like, hey, my son's just getting into cards, like, how should he go about doing it? Like, what would you, how would you tell them to kind of, like Max said, dip their toe into it and get a, get a good safe feel for the hobby? I, I, I start by asking them like, what do you, what do you want to, what do you want to do in the hobby? What do you want to collect? Do you want to actually collect? Do you want to try to make some money? Do you want to make it a business? Like a lot of people do these days and stuff. I ask them specifically, what do you want to do? And then I'll go that route. I'm like, if you want to try to make some money, follow these type of people and they can help you try to make like card collector two is a great individual to watch his videos of value. box. he has a whole series on value boxing. Right. Going into those boxes with the, your allowance that you get every week and everything and, and trying to get that card to do something with is is one of the easiest ways to make money. However, I tell everybody the same thing. No matter what, it is your opinion on what's going to happen with that player. Yes, you have all the data in the world right now what where the player's trending, but still at that point of time, if you're buying a Wimby card right now. And if you think you're going to make some money, you in your mind think that he's going to continue to go up, right? And it can go the complete opposite direction, quick, fast, in a hurry. You know who can't? Charizard. He is not twisting an ankle. He's not tearing <laughs> an ankle or anything. It's just crazy, right? But but I, I tell I tell the kids, I tell actually, you know, adults, like, do what you want to do with with your money, your time and everything. If you want to collect a person, you know, like you can have the aspect of ripping, trying to get some stuff to help you with, but it, it's probably an easier path for you to go around and try to find the stuff for a lot cheaper. And I'll show them. I'm like, I'll, I'll show. I was like, I have a, I have a dynasty patch auto right here that I'm selling for $150. I'm going to show you on blowout how much you can buy that box for $1,500. Right. See the difference there. Like if you have a specific player, you shouldn't be trying to open that box to get that player when you can buy it for a tenth of the price. Um, so it, it all depends on the individual, you know, what, how they, how they interact, how they say they're going to do. And a lot of kids are like, well, I want to try to make some money at the same time. You know, I like all Virginia players. So, hey, go, go up to people and ask them, do you have a lot of college stuff? I'm looking for this college. You know, the key part of it is the interacting. So many people in the hobby are afraid to talk to individuals. They want to just come up, look, buy real quick or whatever. They don't want it. the interacting is the hard part. 
So starting to get kids, one of the, the I love the most is inter, the interacting. Like a kid comes up, be like, how much will you do for, for this card? You know, it's out of my dollar, you know, out of my value boxes. I'm like, well, give me the, how much do you want to pay for it? And they'll be like $5. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. I'm like, how about two? And they'll be like, that's not the right way. That's not the <laughs> way. That's great. Right. I mean, I mean, Mac took, took video of the ones that, you know, it was a $25 and a $35 card. These two kids at Chantilly had, but they only had a budget of 30 and 20. And I knew that they were a 30 and $20 card. And they, they were like, can you take this for it? I'm like, I was like, how can I make this fun, more interactive? I was just like, how about this? Do you like, can you guys do pushups? Can you cover the extra $5 for five pushups? They're like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. That was a really cool idea. They yeah. got super excited about it. The, the dad too, the dad was really thinking it was funny. Yeah. So, but, but it even, and I didn't even know that it actually turned into more stuff. So them doing that, um, one, they loved it because I already gave them a free card in the beginning. So then they turned into looking for more stuff in there. And then the father actually bought a couple cards after that because of the interaction that I had with his own, the, the kids. It like it actually, you know, like the snowball effect just constantly compounding over and over again. But seeing their reactions, like first off, I was telling I asked them, you know, I, I'm 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 I've always done hey, do you mind if your kids are on camera, going to be on YouTube, going on Instagram? You know, I got to get their consent first. These days, you never know, right? So after they, they're like, they're looking at like, I'm going to be YouTube famous. I'm like, well, calm down a little bit there. Like, <laughs> all 50 people are going to see you on YouTube. <laughs> You're going to be one of the 50, hopefully, that you go and subscribe to me. But uh, they got such a kick out of it because they're watching all the videos and they're actually going to be in the one. And then seeing more of that is just incredible. I'm glad that's your interaction because that's always my question. So Because it's not actually on, on obviously anyone's a lot of people's fault because a lot of people in the in the hobby tend to be introverts. And then these other introverts are coming in to buy cards. So it's like interaction is always tends to be a little bit harder, I find. But besides what you do with the kids is there anything else you can think of or tell other people that are selling at card shows to help them interact with people on a regular basis because i find that sometimes too i walk up to a card table and people are like hey you know like be be human being when someone walks up say hey how's how's the show going for you talk to the individuals so many people it's just an angry old man sitting there just like oh i haven't covered my fees yet for my table hope this guy buys that super <laughs> Three times comp price card I have right in front of me. Isn't it crazy? You know? There's there's a table at this at one of our local shows that the guy's stuff is always about three x comps. And I even like I asked him about something at a show recently. I was like, this card's selling for like a third of what you have, and he was like, I'm sorry, we can't work something out. And I was like, what? But to, to each your yeah. own, I guess if that's the I, world you're in. But and and it goes a long way because I have so many people that come back to the table, and maybe my prices are just too too cheap maybe i'm getting you know ran over or whatever but they're like your deals are great you're easy to talk to so we're going to constantly come back then it turns into dealers like hey i got this question on this deal hey i got this what do you think about this do you think of this and everything i love that i do and i have to give a disclaimer I'm like listen i'm I, this is how i feel it's still an opinion con based concept you know whatever do what you want with your money but i'll help you as much as possible i love that because i can sit here and talk sports Sports cards, entertainment, I'm, that's trivia night. That's what I cover. Those three things of like sports and entertainment. That's where I'm at. 
right? I could just talk it all day. So when I when when talking to other dealers and stuff, just be a human being, be nice. If you're walking around the show, how do you want to be? And you know, do unto others how you know it's done to you, right? That's that whole concept. I, I feel that needs to be more card shows. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that getting. I was telling Mac. Uh, I honestly went to my first card show in my 40s because I didn't do it as a kid. I, we just didn't didn't get to them. So like I got it back into the hobby, went to a few card shows. And that was my biggest takeaway from a lot of the card shows besides like, you know, meeting up people I, I didn't know. And I got the chance to like and have great conversations. But I was like, everybody in there has like is there for the same reasons. So I don't understand why there isn't more conversation happening. And like I said, sometimes it is just an introvert or maybe the 1% of people there that are just angry sitting at their table, like you said, <laughs> hoping to cover their fees, you know, but it's just a, it's a really interesting dynamic that sometimes is a, is like some weird block there. And you're like, what hit me too, that we have a huge wave of people that got into the hobby during COVID. So like there wasn't a lot of interaction. It was us like watching behind screens. And then all of a sudden we've been like re-released into the wild and we're like, what do we do? And it's, <laughs> I, I swear it's I think there's a little bit of that. It's like dating after COVID. It's like, how do I use my hands? Like, what do I do with them? Like I, those, pe those people are still out there because they're still wearing masks. Yeah. You know, they're wearing <laughs> in cars. There's, 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 yeah, they're still out there. <laughs> so I, th I think we're all trying to still like rediscover, like as we get back into, you know, show mode, still still the case. Um, you know, some people have enjoyed the hobby by themselves. It's been a very personal thing. And I think some people do it more like socially. Um, like you, I mean, sock, I, I didn't do a ton of shows until this year. And now it's like, I feel like every other weekend I'm on a show and it's like a very different experience than how I first started in the hobby a few years ago. It is. I, I completely, I agree with you because my, my evolution from you know, my journey since I came back in is tenfold. You know, I, being in the military, I moved around everywhere. My collection went from North Carolina to Alabama, to Germany, to New York, to Virginia, it was all over the place. Actually, in Maryland for a good bit because I was deployed, you know. And while I was in Afghanistan, while I was in in Europe, I had cards all over the place. I mean, some of my biggest cards that I have pulled, which are on my YouTube, were actually pulled in Afghanistan while I was on a deployment. So a lot of time during my free time, my time off, I I opened boxes. I I hit. Michael, so limited logos from Exquisite, one of the you know most known sets. There was one year, 0910, I think it is. It, the limited logos was limited to their jersey number. I pulled Jordans out of 23, limited logo, in Afghanistan. Videos on YouTube, it's still there. Little grainy, old school, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And don't have the megapixels they have today. But uh, you know, it it it's the whole everyone's up so i going from that i did a lot of stuff online once i finally got grounded a lot more and i um knew i was retiring i had i had a whole closet full of jerseys autos numbered stuff just crazy i mean i i came back from deployment when i when i looked through my my boxes and stuff and i realized i had a patrick mahomes numbered rookie out of 149 from select because i was <laughs> was in a group break i had i had the, the chiefs hunting for kareem hunt and also, also, so, okay so let me let me ask you this so since you have like the the ability not many people come on here that are big collectors or have been collecting for a couple decades so 
with that, obviously you had, like you said, you had a, unexpectedly a Mahomes numbered card. Over the over the years, do you find that that has happened more often because you open up so many boxes? Like I find myself opening up boxes and like wanting to keep a lot of these rookies, like these random rookies. So I'm like, I have no idea who this person's going to be, but then I have a million cards behind me. So like, what is your, how do you handle that now knowing that you've seen all of these, some of these people probably be worth thousands of dollars five or six years later. So it's even, it's worse than that. So one of my other big pulls from Afghanistan was I, I did a lot of 2009 Bowman draft. If you can get where this is going, I opened opened about nine cases of that stuff. I was selling Mike Trout rook Bowman first autos for $25 a pop. Okay. I pulled, I pulled the orange one of 25 and sold it for $700 raw. That card at its peak sold for $1.2 million. (laughs) So, but, but that's because I had fun with it. I, that one card paid for the whole case. Sure. Now the rest of the case was Garbo, but no, I didn't know. I didn't know about prospecting. Prospecting. I just knew, hey, this baseball product and everything. I think I forget the, the player everyone was really searching for back then. It wasn't Mike Trout. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. So, um, I I had fun back there just doing it, selling and just. I I never knew about the prospecting aspect. That's why I tell everyone if I had a time, if I if anyone has a time machine, let me know so I can just go back and tell myself never to sell, never to sell anything. Just hold on to it and then you know sell later. But. uh it, it, it's really hard. So now with the aspect of me, you know, that's where I was getting to was I, I've ventured away from now that I'm more stable and no longer in the army, you know, retired, I'm stable, not moving anywhere. I, I ventured over to the, I wanted to be a vendor. I had all this stuff. I took a few uh, two row boxes to a couple shows. And these people are like, why aren't you setting up? You have all this really nice stuff. Like you should be really, because I mean, I've only done a lot of stuff online. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay. So then I decided to venture off on the other side. So now uh, it's harder to really find those diamonds in the rough, like you're saying, like that will that will really, you know, hold the value for long term. They'll, they'll go into my boxes. I'll, if I, I have I have an account with PSA, I'll send stuff to get graded and hold. I have some stuff upstairs that that I don't take the shows that I that I feel will, will have some value. But in the end, it it's still it's still really hard the problem is everyone's looking for the next mike trout mickey mantle michael jordan tom brady they or kobe bryant you know all those cards that go for all that the rookies that go for hundreds of thousands of dollars in the end that's what everyone's looking for but if you're really looking for that card and if you think you found it why are you reselling it for like a 30 dollar profit right now rather than holding on to it so many cards of these big players that are supposed to be good down the road, you know, for the long period of time or just jumped around place to place rather than holding, not being out there. And, you know, scarcity should bring the value up. There's being sold over and over again. Yeah. That's it's funny. So I, I think the way I look at it is now is like, I have a, a couple players that I've, I've just PC and I'm, I'm hoping they do what they're supposed to do and I'll have a nice collection, you know, either show off in their cell down the line. But like the other part of me is I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sell most of it, you know, now and then, you know, make money off of it. Hopefully, like I said, pay back some of these boxes, make money on the box that I break, things like that. And I feel like 
if I do that over a large period of time, I will end up ahead of, you know, maybe or maybe not. I guess every once in a while, there's going to be a Mike Trout out of 25 that sells for 1.1 million that I can't really recoup by selling over five years of, you know, $100 cards. But, you know, it's uh, it's insane. interesting. Yeah, it's that, a that what the, the Stefan Curry. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about your Curry one, too. Which, which was the so tell me about the Curry one. Uh, so one of the videos on YouTube, I, I did a recap from the 0910 exquisite box that I opened. And I said I had one rookie, Stefan Curry, and I passed it off to, I think, Danny Granger or someone, Patch Auto or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's just it's like, ugh. Like that's Hot a true, true exquisite Hot rookie. Hands. Right. Uh, so, it's a, the I, fun, the funny world that we're all that we've all come into. It's really crazy. It, and with having that aspect, it's still hard to, to today. You know, I get a big card, I pull something. Like, do I need to hold on to it, or do I need to go ahead? Hey, pay, help it. Pay, like you said, help pay for the box that I just that I just bought. Now I'll get a little bit extra on top. In the end, a lot of the stuff that I, I've always had the mindset, no matter what, like the trout. I you know I sold way too early. Um, but I still made out, right? Yeah. I paid one card out of 12 box case of Bowman draft from 09, paid for the whole case. The case was $700, you know, paid yeah. for the whole. And at the time, as long as you're okay with the time frame you're selling right then and there, it don't look back, look forward. Don't look back in the past. It's fun to look back. I love looking back and showing off all the stuff that is, that is happening. It's a great story. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, I, and I have, a, I have a lot of them out there, but uh, it, look forward to the future. And, and if you feel again, when I said, like I said before, no matter what, it's an opinion based what you think. Like you have like like you were saying, you have players that you're holding on to that you feel maybe you have a collection. You can possibly do something later on because you feel like they're going to be worth something down the road. Yeah. You know, it, it's no matter what, in the end, it's still an opinion based of what you feel. Now you can get manipulated a lot by the media. It happens, <laughs> but like every, the media hyped up LeBron James when he came out, Bryce Harper when he came out. How much were they in the media? I mean, LeBron James, at a high school player, traveled the country playing basketball. Yeah, right. I, I watched him in Pittsburgh myself. You know, I came back. I was stationed. I was stationed in Germany. I came back, and he just happened to be, be was up in Pittsburgh. I watched him play as a senior. Oh, and uh, and just think about it. If you jumped on the the hype train of LeBron James back then. Now you, you see how much money. That's what everyone that really understands the, the evolution and everything. I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. But I get back to the point of if you're thinking that aspect, why are you selling one week later? Why aren't yeah. you holding? That's the that's always the hard part, I think. And that's the that's the reason that I'll either look back today and uh be upset that I sold a lot of why Victor Wembanyama's that I'm pulling. And then because they're, they're five Xing the amount of money that like I'm paying for a box or, you know, maybe five years from now, I'll be like, Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> you know, so. I, I, I pulled the, the Wemby auto from collectors with collectors world up, up when I went up to Denny's trade night and everything. And I sold it to Ryan for eight X. Yeah. Right. But I still it was a redemption. You know, he got it back within like a few weeks. He got it back pretty quick, but I, I'm fine with it. I made I made the money that covered the last five, six boxes that have been done. Take your profits and move on to the next one. I think that's the <laughs> lesson. Dude, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, 
you know, the way we like to wrap this up, the, I guess, where can people find you? I mean, is it primarily Instagram, YouTube, where, where's the best place for people to reach out or keep, keep their eyes on you? Oh, you can find me in Virginia, right around the Richmond area, right? No, around so, the Richmond area, the local shows. Just drop off, just give them your address. And then, <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 I'm actually, you know, Max next door, you know, I'm just chilling on his couch. So you can find me at a lot of places. Like I'm, I've, I've been active on YouTube since 2008, same username everywhere. Army ATC 22, uh, Instagram, every once in a while I, I do TikToks if I feel like I want to get on there. Cause I mean, I'm on TikTok almost anytime I'm on the toilet, I'm on TikTok and pretty much almost everybody else is right. <laughs> so, you know, I throw some stuff out there. But Instagram more active, mainly because compared to all the other social media, you can interact with people a lot easier on Instagram, right? You can actually direct message them a lot easier and everything else like that. So, and I'm the type of person, you follow me, if you have any car content and anything dealing with that, I'm going to follow you back quick, fast, and hurry because I like to interact with individuals. So YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, those are the main places that I'm at. Alex is super introverted. I'm glad we could convince him to be here. Yeah, I like it. I appreciate you, man. This was great. Hearing your story and uh, just like, you know, I always like hearing people's that have been here for a while. And actually, like I said, me jumping in for the last three years has been, uh, I like to see that difference. And Wait, so, but Max said, we got, we got to get you to the East coast, man. You got to come out listen, this way. You guys will, you guys will for sure see me at the national this coming year. I told my, my wife already knows like I'm going out, I'm going to do it for a couple of days. And then, uh, yeah, I'll definitely try and get myself out to the East coast, uh, more and more if I, if I can. Cleveland, baby. Cleveland's gonna rock, <laughs> Cleveland rock, right. Yeah. yeah the, the beautiful land of Cleveland, Ohio. I can't wait. <laughs> Is that actually the East Coast? I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah, mid Midwestish, Mideastish. He's got to make his way this way, right? So he's kind of coming this way, and then baby steps, baby steps, guys. Little stops across the country. Awesome, man. Well, hope you all have a good one. This was a blast. All right, guys. Mm -hmm.